Welcome to the Realizing Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Christensen. This is where we dive in each week to chat about parenting, education, and realizing our children's genius. I'm an educator with a background in individualizing learning, and I'm obsessed with helping people find and nurture that genius in their children and themselves. Let's dive in. Hi, geniuses. Today I'm here with Carrie DeFrancisco. And Carrie, I am so happy that you're here with me again. Me too. I love talking with you. I didn't have enough time with you at the Great Homeschool Convention. So this is great. Yeah, this is so much fun. And one of the things I found out about you is that you have a community, you have a co op that you run. And I know that so many people are trying to find different avenues to provide education for their kids. And it can be really hard to start a co-op. So I'm so grateful you're here today so we can talk about that. Um, how long ago did you create your co-op? That is a loaded question, my friend. <laughs> because I've been doing like co-oping, is that a word? I'm going to make it a word. I'm going to be Shakespeare. I'm going to make up some words. Um, I've been co-oping since we started homeschooling. It's just that they look different depending on the season we were in and how old the kids were. And in all honesty, selfishness on my part, what I wanted my kids to be learning or doing and what friends surrounded me that were really good at those things. Um, and so it really kind of just depends on um, what part of my life we're talking about here. But um, really, co we started co-oping when my kids were first, uh, when we first started homeschooling. And so my daughter was like five or six and my son was just a toddler running around like a crazy man. And basically um, they started off with me and friends who wanted to learn together. Um, and one of us was really good at one thing and another one was really good at something else. And we would just gather and share the load basically. So like the first co-op we had, we called it our creation back backyard club. And we got together with like 10 other families that um, we all had kids the same age and we all had little boys that were like running us crazy. And so we thought, you know what, let's get together in my backyard. And once a month we got together and each month we focused on a different day of creation and every family brought some sort of experiment or demonstration that had to do with that day. So like if we were doing day four in astronomy, we all shared something we learned that that uh, month about stars or planets or you know whatever and so the kids would share or we would uh bring a different experiment to do and then after that the kids would go off and play in the backyard um so that was like the beginning of it and then from there you know like i said depending on the age of my kids and what we were learning um that eventually it turned into what I now run and with my husband, uh, it's called Fundamentals. It's a co-op in um, Southern California. And whew, we went from what, what I say, 10 families in my backyard to Fundamentals is actually this year, 203 families. Oh my God. You know, just saying that. So at any given moment, we have over 450 kids on campus. So um Wow. I guess in a sense, that's really not like your traditional co-op, but it's not really a learning center either. Um, and it's certainly not a school. 
Um, I like to say we're just classes that we offer uh, to come alongside the moms. So we offer everything from chemistry to biology to math to just really super fun stuff like a Legos class and art classes and stuff like that. So, yeah. Awesome. So how long ago did you start Fundamentals? Fundamentals officially started 10 years ago. So this is our, our 10th year anniversary. And it started kind of like the same as my uh, creation club in the backyard, but it was myself and a friend of mine who does art. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to teach IW because I love IW. And I wanted my, uh, at this point, my daughter had already done IW for years. And it was my son who's dyslexic and has dysgraphia and all that kind of stuff. And he didn't want to do any kind of writing unless he did it with his friends. Right. So I said, all right, fine. I'm going to teach an IW class with Joe and his friends. And I'm going to invite other people <laughs> to come and do IW with us. So I taught the IW in the morning to Joe and his friends and about like 15, 16 other students. And then my friend who did art after lunch, she then taught art to all the same kids. And that's pretty much how fundamentals started. And then every year, I just added another very gifted friend. <laughs> so the next year, uh, a friend of mine who is uh, bilingual, I'm like, oh, Georgina, can you just teach conversational Spanish? Because both of my kids want to learn Spanish, but I don't know a lick of it. So then we started that. And then I asked my friend, Michelle Small, who is fabulous at teaching math. And I said, hey, my kid needs to learn algebra and my other kid needs to learn middle school math. So can you teach some math? And that's pretty much how it came about. So every year I just added a couple more classes. And I always ask friends of mine who were just totally gifted in some area or an expertise. Like when we added government class, it was my friend Lisa Wong, who's a lawyer, who is also homeschooling. And I said, hey, my daughter needs to do government to graduate. Can you teach government? She's like, sure. So like I said, it was always selfish on my part. It was what my kids needed to learn or what they wanted to learn, or it was something they didn't want to learn at home with me, but they wanted to learn with friends. And I just found really gifted um, or passionate friends who could teach that while I taught their kids writing. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so 400, <laughs> 400 students. Okay. I know my hair turns gray just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, just the logistics of that in my head. It's like, yeah. I'm just like dizzy just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, this obviously isn't happening in your backyard anymore. No, it is not. <laughs> so once, uh, well, first of all, I think the best co-ops out there are the organic ones that are just a couple of families that are learning together in someone's backyard. Um, I love those. Those were always my favorite. Those are the ones that my kids will, you know, they remember and bring up. Um, and for me, that's if, if a family is interested in learning with friends, it's super easy to start your own co-op um, with just a couple of like-minded friends. Um, even if there's a mom who says, I don't know anything, I can't teach anything, or I have too many babies around me, you know, um, that's the mom who hosts it. 
And she literally just opens up her doors and everybody else comes in with their lessons prepared and their activities, or she's the one that brings the snacks because you got to have food with every co-op, right? Um, so those in my mind are the best ones. And those are the free ones because you're bartering. You teach this, I'll teach that. I'll bring the snacks. You open up the house, boom, bada bing, bada, bada you know, you got your co-op right there. Um, but once it gets bigger, like in the case of uh, fundamentals, um, and there's other great ones in our area. I mean, uh, EAE has classes and Firm Foundations has Friday and Wednesday classes and Pathfinders has classes on Mondays and Thursdays and Fridays. So, I mean, there's and Legacy out in, you know, they have, I think every day now they're meeting, but there's great co-ops all around. But the way that we work it is, first of all, you got to find a place to have it. So usually the best place to start would be a church um, that's willing to uh, open up their doors to your group. Um, it kind of depends on your size of your group. So we have outgrown churches. So the first one that we started with 10 years ago, they only had one room to rent to us. And that was what we did. Um, and then we outgrew that. We just kind of moved. And where we are now, we absolutely love. So we're not moving ever. So we're capped. We're done. Um, but you find a church or a facility or like a community center that is willing to rent space to you. Um, sometimes you can get it for free, but a lot of times uh, churches will, um, if you donate to them or if your co-op is a nonprofit, um, you donate and then you can use their space. And so that's the first thing is to find a place. And if you can't, because that costs money, the park is great. Nowadays, they're calling it pods in the park, right? So you can have your, your co-op at a park or at park day. Um, and that's free. You just show up and, and everybody brings their stuff. So that, that's pretty much the first thing is trying to decide what you're going to do at the co-op. Like what kind of things do you want the kids to learn? Um, who's going to be involved um, and where it's going to take place. And once you have those three things kind of worked out, then everything else is easy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I know, I mean, I've been part of homeschool communities, you know, since I started as well and have done different co-ops at different stages, just like you. Mm -hmm. And how would you define a co-op, I mean, how is a co-op different than a learning center or a school? Right. So actually, um, fundamentals technically isn't a co-op anymore because um, in a traditional true co-op, all the moms or all the parents involved are teaching something, right? And so um, if there's any kind of fee involved, it's because everybody's contributing to the supplies or everyone's contributing to the place, right? Um, but then all the moms teach something, right? So it, it's a bartering system. That's a true co-op. But once you you start getting kind of big, uh, like, like we are, it's a co-op in the sense that everyone pitches in financially to help us run it. So it does cost money to rent a facility. So everyone who's involved pitches in and contributes so that we can rent the facility. Um, depending on where you are, you might need insurance. So everyone contributes financially to help us get the insurance. So it's a co-op and that everyone's cooperating to make sure we can meet, but not necessarily every mom is teaching something. That would be a true co-op. Now, a learning center is for business. They're usually not a nonprofit. Um, 
uh, it's set up more like a school. They're usually a drop-off program. So most co-ops like ours, they're not a drop-off program because the idea of most co-ops, it's really more about fellowship than it is about learning. So a true co-op, whether it's big or small, the moms are getting together mainly for the moms, right? Because they need a day with other moms. Um, but it's really all about the fellowship and the friendships. And it just so happens the kids are having fun learning something. That's like icing on the cake. Whereas learning centers are more set up for the core subjects. You're going to come, you're going to drop your kids off. Moms are going to go either home or run errands or do like more like traditional school kind of stuff where the mom's free for the day. Um, and then someone else is teaching their kids. There's usually very traditional homework involved. Um, some learning centers offer grades. And, you know, so it truly is more of a, like another term these days is a hybrid school. Um, you know, those are all the same thing where it's very much structured like school. And it's a place for moms to bring their kids to learn. That's the goal. Whereas co-ops, you know, they're more about fellowships and friendships and we're all in it together. We're going to stay, we're going to help, we're going to have fun, you know. Oh, I definitely know. I mean, I know I mean, people who come to me who are just starting homeschooling, I mm -hmm. tell them, you know, whether your kid is three or 13, the first thing you need to do is find a community because, uh, and it's not for your kids. It's not to satisfy <laughs> the socialization thing. It's for you, the parent you need. Amen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it really, it, I've seen it be a make or break thing. I mean, people, parents need to have other parents to talk to you, especially when you've taken on this huge responsibility. You're not only parenting your kid, but you're also taking on the responsibility of educating them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you need to be able to just, you know, when everything's falling apart, just be mm -hmm. able to cry on somebody's shoulder, if nothing else, someone who can relate. Yeah. So, and that's yeah. even why at, at least at fundamentals. Um, and I, and I think at uh, some of the other local co-ops, we don't just have quote unquote classes for kids. We have activities for the moms too, because, you know, we require them to stay on campus because we need them there. One, uh, to help us supervise and to keep things safe. Um, but like you said, it's their day to be with other moms. And so there are parts of the day where they're, ki they're kid free and their kids are in class, right? Or that maybe they have little ones, but they're off playing on the play structure. So that's why we offer, you know, knitting and photography and a mom's Bible study and a prayer group um, just to kind of push the mom sometimes. Moms like me who are introverts, I mean, I'd rather just stay in my car, right? So I'm on campus. Okay, check. I'm following the rule, but I don't have to socialize with anybody. So like for me, my, my kind of mom who's introverted, it even kind of forces them to look, there's these other things that you can do. So come and meet the other moms. And, you know, uh, at, you're right. It's like the number one reason to join a co-op and, and even uh, organizations like Classical Conversations, you know, technically they're not a co-op because you're paying someone else to, to teach your kid, but they're not a drop-off program. And they really are there. To, and they'll tell you to train the moms. So we're going to teach your kids all these great stuff in the morning, but now you're going to take all this and what you've watched and you're going to go do that at home. And so it's really a training ground as well as a fellowshipping opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, it's like, 
I want to join your, your, your I want to learn to knit. It's pretty sad. <laughs> I mean, I, I taught, I taught textiles at a community college and I tried to show people how to knit and this one woman in my class, she, she just kind of patted me on the arm and she said, Heidi, that's not how you do it. <laughs> so I need to know how to knit. I can crochet like crazy, but knitting is not my thing. So that would be fun. Oh my goodness. Um, I really have a heart for communities, for homeschool communities of every type. I have been part of, like I said, part of um, different communities and I've helped build them and um, I support them in different ways in other areas of my life. Um, if someone wanted to build one, if, I mean, because I have people all over, actually, I'm international. I have some people <laughs> in Canada listening. <laughs> um, if somebody wanted to start one, what do you think the first step would be? I mean, if they were brand new to a community, this is a question I get all the time. I'm mm -hmm. brand new to a community. My kids need friends. How do I start something like this? I think the number one thing is to find at least two or three other moms or families um, that you would like to spend time with. And more importantly, you want your kids to spend time with their kids, right? Like you that, like those kids, right? That's a big one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So you find those one or two or three other families start small um, because it actually works better that way. Um, and start something super simple, like a book club where everyone gets together and, and you read the same book during the month. It holds the mom accountable to actually read aloud. Um, and then the kids come together once a month to discuss the book. And maybe they have, you know, like a book party or whatever, or maybe a chess club or a Lego club. Like it doesn't have to be academic um, or maybe, you know, you're like me and, and you have a friend who is, you know, a scientist who graduated from Harvard and she's homeschooling. And you're like, hey, can you come to my house every week and just do some kind of fun exploding experiment and we'll show up, right? Um, so I think the first step is to find two or three other families and then decide just one thing that's super easy that um, you want to do together with friends or something you never get done that you want to get done, right? That's that's a huge one. Yeah. I know. I mean, we did a uh, science one because I never could get science. And so it held me accountable and yeah. only one person's house got all messy. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then everybody stayed to clean it all up. And yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a cooking one is great, especially yeah. if you're small, you know, you could do cooking, you could do baking. I mean, it, it doesn't have to be academic um, in nature at all. The, the whole idea is just, it's a day, either one, and then decide, is it going to be once a week, twice a month, once a month? Um, yeah. And it, it really is super easy to get it yeah. going. I think the hardest part is having the courage to go up to some people and say, hey, would you like to get together with my family once a month to learn blah, 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 you know? Um, I think for me, maybe because I'm an introvert, that was always the hardest part was, you know, finding those people that I wanted to spend time with, so. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is. It is hard. I know uh, here in California, we have the homeschool charter schools, which Mm -hmm. that was where I found people. Um, But when I was in Arizona, I mean, that was really before Facebook even. I mean, that's really dating myself, but, um, but it was, there were, I, I even forget how I found, I think there was, it was forums, homeschool forums. And somehow I found somebody who was doing something, but it took me like three tries to find a good co-op and mm-hmm. a good group of people because you're right. I mean, that finding those people, finding the kids that you want your, your kids around. Mm-hmm. That is huge. It is. It is. And so, I mean, there's other groups out there, like, um, you know, if someone's listening, they're not in the California area. Um, I love wild and free. I wish it was around when my kids were younger, Um, but they have groups that you can join. You just go to their website and you can find other wild and free groups in your area. Um, It's super easy to like start an adventure club. Um, you know, so you and a couple of friends could go hiking once a month or once a week. And that's all you do. You're just out in nature together. You can make it as elaborate or as simple as you want. Um, I know here in California, but most of the other states as well, if you go to their uh, state homeschooling site here in California, it's the the Christian Homeschool Education Association, they're going to have a directory right? So you could just kind of plug in where you live and you're going to find groups. It's just like you said, it's a matter of finding your peeps. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, today it's so much easier. I mean, if you go onto Facebook and look for Facebook groups, Mm -hmm. I mean, that it it makes it pretty easy to do it. And if you, uh, if you can't find any homeschool Facebook groups for your area, then there's always like you know, a, a neighborhood or some kind of group or a city group. And you can ask for, ask for people on there that might be homeschooling. So it's, um, it, it, but it is, it's putting yourself out there for your kids. And it, I'm with you on that introvert thing. (laughs) (laughs) It is hard. It is hard. Um, so did you see as your kids were growing older that your co-op experiences changed? I mean, you said that you started with a once a month as they got older, did it just get to be more often? As they got older, it was mainly because either one, uh, they were older and in high school and it just made more sense to meet more often, uh, to cover the material. Uh, so like, for instance, my daughter came to me her sophomore year and said, Hey mom, look, you know, I don't like British lit. I don't like any of those authors, but I know I'm supposed to learn it. So can we do a whole year of Shakespeare instead of British lit? And I went, uh, okay. (laughs) So she got together like seven of her theater friends and they all came over on a Monday for three hours. And we did Shakespeare all year long, but they were theater geeks. They enjoyed it. Right. Um, and then there's my son who, you know, he came to me his junior year and said, mom, you know, I don't like to read. So um, how am I going to do world history? You're going to make me read. So is there another way we can do this? And I said, I know. How about we watch our way through history instead of read our way through history? And then he was all over that. So he and two of his friends, we got together once a week at um, my friend's house and we watched different history movies. And then we discussed, you know, the time period and, 
I purposely picked out movies that were also books, um, you know, so, but we would meet every week. We did personal finance, the Dave Ramsey program. We did that with his friends. Um, and you can't do that once a month. You got to meet, you know, a little bit more, but when they're younger, I think once a month is actually fine because then for the moms, it just becomes one more thing, you know, to do or to prepare for. But if it's once a month, then they have all month <laughs> to do whatever it is that they're responsible for doing or to make sure they do with their kids, like read the book um, before they meet. And so I think it's just less stressful when they're younger, if you only meet once a month or maybe, you know, once every couple of times a month. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I Oh, and homeschooling today, there are so many opportunities. I mean, it's such a misnomer. I mean, you're never home. You're never home. You're never home. And so, uh, yeah, and the whole socialization question, it's like, okay, when are my kids not socializing? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, finding, finding the right say- people. I will say one of the things that, cause you would ask me, you know, how things have kind of, I've seen change. Um, I will say, and it's, and it's kind of hard for me to say this because I run a co-op, right? And so I provide a community for, for 200 and something families twice a week. So I'm kind of shooting myself in the foot when I say this, but um, the, what I've seen the trend over, especially the past couple of years since COVID is that we really need to stop calling it homeschooling and home education. (laughs) We need to get rid of the school part and put in education there because there's just so many moms, because like you said, there's so many opportunities to learn outside the home that the trend nowadays is to not do any school at home. Like they're not learning together as a family. Um, And if they are doing stuff, whether it's at home or outside the home, it's very traditional. Like they're dropping their kids off at all these different classes and someone else is teaching their kids and they really aren't doing home education. They're just doing school at home, even though it may not be in their house, they're still doing school at home because they're driving their kids to all these different classes. And so um, I just really feel like, um, you know, some of the moms out there who are listening, who are new to homeschooling, I cannot stress enough the freedom and flexibility and the advantages and the blessings of learning as much as you can at home together as a family, and then going out for the other stuff, going out for the extracurricular, or maybe you are butting heads with your kid over math. Okay, so that's the one class. He takes, you know, outside the home, Um, but not everything because you don't realize how much you're giving up. I mean, I look back, I loved homeschooling. I mean, that was like the best decision of my life besides saying yes to my husband was to homeschool Um, because the memories and the relationships and the connections with my kids and my family, I wouldn't have those, I believe, if we hadn't homeschooled the way we did. We, we learned and loved <laughs> and lived together. And yes, they took classes outside the home. Yes, we learned with friends, but it, that wasn't the norm. It wasn't what we did all week long. And so, um, yes, uh, taking classes outside the home are great. Fundamentals is fabulous. All these other co-ops are wonderful too, but don't neglect the, beaut- the beauty of learning together at home with your family. Yeah. I am right there with you. It is so important. 
especially when they're young. I mean, there really doesn't have to be a time where they're, mm -hmm. oh, people come up. I mean, I, they probably came up to you at the great homeschool convention. It's like, I know what you're oh, going to say. <laughs> my child is, is starting pre-K. What <laughs> curriculum do you suggest? And I'm just like, oh, none, run, none. run. <laughs> stay away from the curriculum uh read to them cook with them have fun with them yeah. play on the floor dump out all of your hot wheel cars and sort <laughs> them you know count them <sighs> take them to the yep. store and read all of you know find all the numbers um but live mm -hmm. you know learning you know just it, it's a lifestyle and it's not yeah I know so many people it's like well I, we tried for for pre-k and it was just too hard they wouldn't listen to me and it's like well then for pre-k focus on discipline <laughs> that's got to be the first thing you know but um oh okay I got I got up on my soapbox there <laughs> That's okay. I got on mine too, but I'm glad you brought that up because that was the number one question. I was yeah. very happy to see so many young uh, couples and parents wanting to homeschool and, you know, they were pregnant and they knew they wanted to homeschool. And I was like, yes, Lord, you are bringing the, the, the crops. But oh, then was so awesome. was always, what do we do for preschool? And I'm like, well, what are you doing now? And they would tell me and I'd say, exactly keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how many moms ask me at fundamentals. Do I have classes for two-year-olds and three-year-olds? And I'm just like, oh. no, no, I don't play with your kids. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah we, we can get on our soapbox. Cause you know, we've been there, done that. We can do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I remember though. And when my kids were little, I would take them like to story time at the library and and um, there was like this music class that we would all sit around and, and drum on drums and things like that. And there's lots of like mommy and me stuff and um, that we would do, but it was, it was together and, and it wasn't every day. It was at most once a week, but normally just every once in a while type of thing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, really, when you think about it, I mean, even when you think about some of the high school subjects, when was the last time you used a quadratic equation? I don't know. <laughs> Probably never. Not even when I was in Algebra 2 did I use the quadratic <laughs> equation correctly. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I see the reason behind it. I mean, that right. reasoning that you're teaching them and all of that. But if you have the choice you know, or if, if you're, you have to make the choice of, do I teach my child how to be part of a healthy family? Or do I struggle with them to get them to learn a quadratic equation? My choice will always be the, the former mm -hmm. rather than the latter. Yeah. And as homeschoolers, we can make those choices. Yep. So I'm like, oh my gosh, let's let's make them. And let's leave. I mean, we all left that traditional system for a reason. Mm -hmm. Why recreate it in our home? Right. 
Exactly. Amen. You preach it, girl. <laughs> well, I'm so grateful that you're preaching it with me. I love it. <laughs> oh, well, Carrie, our time is pretty much up, but I just want to thank you for all you do for the homeschool community. Um, everybody be sure and uh, check out Carrie's uh, podcast. And Carrie, where can we find all of that information about you? Yeah, the best place to go is my website, coffeewithcarry.org. And then from there, it'll bring you to my podcast, my books, my vlog, my blog, uh, all my new cooking chats, which uh, some of the moms are really getting a kick out of. So you can pretty much just go to coffeewithcarry.org and, and you can find me in, in all my places there. Yeah. Oh, I'm loving those cooking <laughs> videos. That's awesome. Yeah, you're on Instagram, correct? I'm on Instagram, TikTok, thanks to my son, uh, YouTube, um, not really on Facebook, uh, but everywhere else you can find me. Oh, awesome. Well, I hope every everyone does find you because I know I found you and my life has been better for it. So thank you. back at you, girl, back at <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Realizing Genius podcast. Head over to realizinggenius.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links and to share your ideas of anyone you would like to have me interview. Have a wonderful week realizing your genius.